Hi, it's Robin McMahon here. I'm the host of Parenting Our Future. And if you're listening to this podcast, I want to thank you so much for being here. I also want you to know that I'm a former angry mom. I used to yell and rage and threaten and punish my kids because I wasn't getting cooperation or the behavior that I felt I should be getting. And I struggled for many years, not knowing how to change or knowing what to do differently. It wasn't until I found the world of peaceful parenting that I learned why my kids acted the way they did and also why I was so angry and triggered. I was able to heal my anger and leave my triggers behind so that I could focus on being the calm and confident parent I always expected myself to be. I can tell you that feeling connected to your kids is the best feeling in the world. My two boys are teenagers now and we have a strong relationship that is rooted in deep connection. And where there is connection, there's cooperation. Parenting is the most important job we do but it's the hardest job we do. And we do it without understanding the fundamentals of the way our kids grow and develop. We do it without knowing the way their brains work or what their behavior is actually really telling us. So it's no wonder it's so hard. And it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to say, this is harder than I thought it would be. And that's where I come in. I can help you and I can support you so that you can have the cooperation and enjoy being a parent. You can book a free call with me on my website, parentingforconnection.com. And if you want to download my free guide, how to turn a no into cooperation, go to triggerfreeparents.com. Really hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Hey everybody, it's Robin here. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. I have to tell you, I have a special guest today, as I always have special guests. I feel like I say that all the time, but but for real, today is one of my most favorite guests that I have ever had on my show, and I get to have her again. I have Cindy Utzinger here. If you know me, if you've worked with me, or if you've been in my Facebook group or around me, I talk a lot about Cindy Utzinger. I talk about her book, Why Is My Kid Doing That?, And she's so gifted because she really helps us to understand why our kids do what they do. And I always send people her way because she's just so good at what she does. So I just want to read her bio so you know exactly why she does what she does, how she's qualified to talk about this. And then we're going to dive into a bunch of questions that I know will help you understand your kids better because that's what this is all about. So Cindy is uh, an OTR. L, uh, a licensed occupational therapist specializing in pediatrics and sensory integration with over 20 years of experience. During her career, she's developed outpatient pediatric programs working both one-on-one and with groups of children and their parents in clinical and school settings. She is a mom to two children, and she found herself asking the question, why, as she discovered she wasn't alone, like, what the heck is going on with my own kids? She is the author of the book that I just mentioned, Why Is My Kid Doing That? A Sensory Approach to Understanding Your Child's Behavior. Cindy aims to help parents and educators recognize the sensory component to their child's behaviors. 
Cindy enjoys teaching and speaking at schools and parenting events, empowering parents with tools to both understand and help their children succeed. Oh, Cindy, you are so helpful. I'm telling you, I hold your book up more than any book I have ever read, and I, I just love it. So welcome back. Thank you. It's an honor to be back. <laughs> I love it. It's so, it's just so great to have you. And, um, you know, oftentimes parents are confused by their kids' behavior. And, you know, that's, that's often where I come in. And I have used so much of what you taught me in your book and even in our conversation to really help parents to explain it. So it's, or help parents understand it, to work it out. So it's so great to have you back to talk about this subject again and even go into greater detail. Mm -hmm. So your book is, and just to really clarify for everybody, your book is really about really all kids and being able to say, okay, is what my kid is doing, behaving, is showing up like, is that normal? I think every, every parent questions that, is it normal? And if it is, okay, what do I do with it? If it isn't, what do I do with it? Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's why I wrote the book because I want parents to understand we, every one of us has our sensory quirks. Mm -hmm. every, every single one of us and not every including our children and not every child needs a diagnosis or warrants a diagnosis. They just have their quirks. But I think if we have that awareness of, okay, this behavior that I'm seeing, that's a little bit alarming or a little bit off, or if we have an awareness of what's going on and why they're doing what they're doing, then we're empowered to be able to help them in a positive mm. way. And again, maybe use that as a strength. Um, I, so you know, the book, in the book, I talk about ADHD and I talk about autism mm. because those diagnoses both have a sensory component, mm. but not everybody with sensory has sensory processing disorder or autism, but children with autism, ADHD, sensory processing disorder, obviously have sensory mm -hmm. stuff going on. Mm. So, okay. So two questions. First, mm -hmm. what are some of the quirks that you talk about? Just so we all know if mm -hmm. our quirks are driven by sensory and then how does ADHD and autism, how do they compare and contrast? So the quirks are, so, I mean, there's the, there's the everyday obvious ones, right? Maybe doesn't like to get their hands messy or picky eater doesn't like loud noises, but also other things like wanting to just being on the go all the time, never being able to sit still those kids who play too rough, who loved a rough house, kids who mm. are too cautious, who are you know, cautious, being cautious is a good thing, but overly cautious mm. tells me there's something going on with the sensory system, coordination mm. issues, gross motor, fine motor, um, being able to learn a new motor skill, being able to take up dance class or learn how to use your body good when you learn to swim. We really have to have a good mental map of what our body is doing in order to learn these new skills. So that falls under the, the sensory umbrella. And then, like I said, it's the, the loud noises, the not wanting to be touched, the craving touch, 
Mm. Uh, I had a, a kid this week, a new kid to me that plays really rough with his brother or pushes, pushes a lot. And so again, it's recognizing, okay, he's not being a bad kid. Mm. He's, he just needs that input that that's giving to his sensory system. Okay. And this also shows up with kids not liking the way their socks fit, the underwear, right? Yes. The tags on their shirts. It doesn't mean they have SPD. It means that they, that could be a quirk. That could be just a discomfort that you just can't handle. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more, but that tactile system and the um, auditory system. So too much tactile input, too much auditory input can put a kid in a fight, flight or fight mode. So that's what we have to recognize too. Like sometimes it's not about rationalizing with our kids through it. Their nervous system is truly in, I'm being chased by a lion mode. So we're not going to be able to rationalize and, and through the getting the socks on, we just kind of have to recognize, you know, their, their tactile system is really overwhelmed. And so we need to work on this tactile system to help them become more able to tolerate that type of input. Okay. And that's where you gradually help them to in, uh, intensify that feeling, right? Like I'm, I'm thinking that may not make, have made any sense, but like, uh, for, for, for children who don't like certain textures, you have different buckets of things that they can play with, right. From, well, well, why don't you say it? <laughs> well, right. Yeah. So we did, we need to desensitize that, that tactile system. Yes. You're on it. You know, what you're being the expert. I don't know why I think that I know the answer. Uh, you go. You're doing great. Yeah. You should answer the question. No. So we, yeah. So we need to desensitize that system. Yeah. But again, we need to remember. And again, the, the tactile system is one of the tricky ones that we have to be careful with as we desensitize because it, it can kick them into fight, fight or fight mode. And so we start with, so if we do sensory bins, for instance, we want to start with dry textures, soft things, maybe a bin of cotton balls or rice. That's always a favorite because it's the dry rice because it's kind of soothing and comforting. And then we mm -hmm. might move to sand or kinetic sand. And it has a little more of a, of a moist, moisture, moist, moist, yes, exactly. And then we move on to something like slime or water beads or something like that. So we need to progress them as they can tolerate. And I have a lot of kids too. They won't even touch it with their hands. We use bolt, we use spoons and scoops to touch mm -hmm. it. And once they start to recognize this is safe, again, their, their nervous system has to know it's safe. So once mm -hmm. they can move through this and recognize I am safe, this isn't threatening, then it becomes less noxious to them. And we do okay. brushing. You probably heard of the brushing. We use those surgical scrub brushes just to do some brushing strategies, brushing techniques or finger painting hand, you know, or doing um, finger or stamps with finger stamps. Yeah. And so again, it's just, it's being aware and being sensitive. So we don't want to just say, oh, they don't like clothes. They don't like socks. We're just never going to wear socks. Right. But it's how do we kind of move them through 
that this move them through this to desensitize again so their nervous system can stay in an I am safe mode. Mm. I can do this. So if you have a child that struggles with things like socks, underwear, and tags, those are the three things that come to mind to me instantly using those sensory bins. Will that help? Or do you have to do something specific to socks, underwear, and tags? Well, and you know, there's great stuff on the market these days. True. Yes. To, to help avoid it. Okay. We can cut the tags off or we can, there's seamless socks, that, that type of stuff. So again, right. Like good question. Like we're working in, we'll digging through a, a bin of Orbeez water beads, help me to tolerate my tags. Mm-hmm. It's, it's all just helping that, helping your body to know I am safe and I can tolerate this. Mm-hmm. So again, with tags and some of the clothing stuff, that's where the, the brushing comes in, or mm-hmm. we like to do deep pressure because mm-hmm. in, I think we talked about this last time and we, we can talk about it more, but the proprioceptive system, mm-hmm. the deep pressure system is neurologically mm-hmm. organizing and calming. So when we give that deep pressure input, so maybe it's just hugs or, or some he- heavy exercise kind of prior to getting dressed, then, then we can kind of help calm that nervous system, get them neurologically organized so that putting the clothes on is not so taxing to their, to their nervous system. Okay. Right. And, and I think we're, we're going to get into that too, how we can use the sensory system to calm down. So, Mm -hmm. so, so I appreciate that. So it, it really is about having a sensory lifestyle, as you put it, and really having regular input so that you have a healthy system, right? Where you don't feel unsafe in different situations under different circumstances. Right. And so, um, and you mentioned proprioceptive and we can talk about that too. I mean, those two senses were very, um, they, it was new information for me when we first Mm -hmm. spoke. And so let's talk about the two, the vestibular and the proprioceptive people may not have ever heard that before. I know, like I said, it was new to me. So what are, what are those two systems and how do they play in the way we go about our day, day to day? Right. So we always talk about, we know our senses, our sight, smell, sound, touch, but we have the vestibular system, which is in our inner ear. So as we move our head through space, we get vestibular input and vestibular input tells me where am I in space? Mm-hmm. And you can imagine that that is so important to everything we do really to understand where am I in space, to learn a new motor skill, to have coordination, to ride a bike, to balance, to be able to sit still, to be able to take risks with my body, Mm. to maybe try a new thing on the playground. We really have to have a really good mental map of what our vestibular, what our body's doing in space. Mm -hmm. And, and we get that vestibular input through things like spinning, swinging, being upside down, sliding, riding bikes. Again, anytime our head is moving through space, we're getting that really good vestibular input. And then there's the proprioceptive system, 
who's where we get we get that input through our muscles and joints through heavy work or compression and the proprioceptive system it's really our body awareness it tells me what my body is doing it's it's our movement sense if you will so if um so we get that kind of input again it's in our muscles or joints so through heavy work through mm climbing through um animal walks you know bearing weight down through our muscles it's really exercise proprioceptive proprioception is exercise right you think about how good you feel after you exercise because maybe because you went for a run you really used your muscles that was that proprioceptive input Mm -hmm. and then what's super important again so so these two senses really let us know what our body's doing where is it and what is it doing and so important for really everything we do if I don't know where my body is I I don't I don't know where that I can't judge maybe how far that sound is that I hear you hear that siren in the background as you're driving and you've got to figure out okay it's coming to my left and it sounds like it's still a couple hundred feet away right I don't know where that sound is if I don't really, if I'm not registering what I'm doing, right? It, really to understand concepts up, up, down, behind, behind, in front of, under, I have to understand my body and space to really understand those, those concepts. Yeah. And, and the biggest thing to know too, is that, that proprioceptive, both systems, but especially the proprioceptive in system is neurologically organizing. So that proprioceptive input helps our children really get, and when I say neurologically organizing, what I mean is get that brain in a really good place. Again, think about how you feel after you exercise, right? Like, okay, I can face whatever tasks are ahead of me. Like I'm ready, I've got clarity, (laughs) I'm thinking straight, right? That's what that proprioceptive input can help give our children. Well, and I remember you teaching me that, that mouth is mm-hmm. part of the proprioceptive sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that that's why people chew their pens and pencils mm-hmm. that you know, because they're organizing their brains. Mm-hmm. And so this leads me into talking about how the sensory system can help our kids calm down. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So we, again, a lot of kids, who are, if kids are really active and kind of bouncing off the wall, a lot of times they're craving this input. They need this Mm -hmm. input to fill what I call their sensory bucket. So they've got a bucket that needs to be filled with so much sensory input and they're seeking to fill it. So they're, they're moving, they're on the go and they're trying to give themselves. It's like, you know, for you and I, you're kind of thinking about kids in school, right? Like if you and I need a break and can't focus very well, we can just get up and go walk around, take a quick break. Our kids don't always get that opportunity, but when we get up and move around and take that break or even squirm in our chair, we're just kind of recalibrating that vestibular and that proprioceptive system. We're giving ourselves a little more of that input. So, so yes. So when we see our kids can't, can't sit still, can't focus, we can say, okay, they need more. They're needing more of this, of this input. If they, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. If they can't be still, (laughs) let's allow them them to get some movement. 
But yes, yeah, so that proprioceptive system, again, neurologically organizing and calming. So I always say when all else fails, think proprioceptive input. So mm. hugs. Sometimes I just say, just arm squeezes. Just, I'm like, come yeah. on, you just give your arm some hugs, just squeezing that arm or deep pressure down through the shoulders. Or if available, crashing. I have families who just put mattresses or air mattresses down on the floor. And it's like just crashing into something, jumping. I love to just, you know, if I have a kid who isn't, I'm like, I've lost them. They're, I'm not, they're not focused. They're not, they're not on task with me anymore. I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's go stop and do some 25 jumping jacks. And now, now come back. Right. Cause now, now they can be on task again, but it's the whole, the weighted blankets, right? That's what weighted blankets are, is it's proprioceptive input, is giving that deep pressure input. So weighted blankets are good. Weighted lap pads. I love those stuffed animals that you can put in the microwave. Mm. So they've got, they've got the little beads inside of them. And some of them smell like lavender even, even, but so you get that, the smell, the calming smell, you get the heat, but then they're also a little bit heavy. Because yeah. of the beads inside of them. So just even holding on to something like that. Yeah. Um, you think swaddling. That's why we swaddle babies, right? Mm. Sometimes older kids wrap them up in blankets. You know, I sometimes I would just my kids are a little bit older now, but I would just kind of lay on them, you know, not hurt yeah, them, but just yeah, yeah. put them maybe put a pillow on top of them and lay on top of that, lie on top of the pillow and just give them some of that deep, that deep pressure. Yeah. Or my son, when he was little, I used to just take a playground ball, rubber ball, and just while he would lay on his tummy, I would just roll it up and down his back, his legs, mm. his arms. And that was just, that was calming them. That deep pressure was, was calming to him. So again, when all else fails, proprioception and proprioceptive. Input. I love it. I love it. So, uh, you know, what's great about it too, especially when it's skin on skin and you're touching your child, you're also boosting oxytocin, which mm-hmm. adds to it being pleasurable and happy and right. feeling loved and lovable and all that kind of stuff yeah. too, right? Like you can't go wrong doing these things because they also communicate other things as well. Uh, like you are loved and lovable, right? Like that's really right. important. So yeah. I, I love that. And I have to tell you, uh, you know, I, I, I have, I have a son who, you know, has, has no diagnosis in terms of sensory, but he is ADHD and, uh, and then he has OCD and, and some, some other things. And just the other day, he, he was stuck in his brain in, in a, in a, in a fight mode, Mm. needed to fight, needed to fight, needed to fight, wouldn't let it go. Wouldn't let it go. Uh, we had said no to something and, and the OCD brain doesn't let him accept no. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you can imagine how hard it's been to parent a kid like that over the years. Right. And he's going to be 17 this, uh, this year. So, so he's not little and, you know, it's hard as a parent to remember everything mm-hmm. myself included, you know, and I, I realized, and, and I'll be honest, it was about an hour in, I just said, Hey, come here for a second. He's like, no, I'm not coming there because he's always a no before he's a yes. And I said, no, 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 just come here for a second. And I hugged him Mm. and I hugged him really tight. 
And he's like, is this for real? Or like, yes, it's for real. Mm-hmm. I really love you, buddy. I really, really love you. And he's like, okay, well, I hope this is for real because I like this. <laughs> like, <laughs> so it was really, it was, and he calmed right down. Mm-hmm. And the thing that he was arguing about, he says, don't worry, I won't do that anyway. Mm-hmm. What a tender, what a tender moment. But also it works. And it's, we're not talking about five-year-olds. We're talking about all the way through, right? Right. And sometimes that's what you need to calm your child down Mm -hmm. instead of judging them, instead of fighting with them, like, Hey, come here for a second, you know, and these are the things that we want to remember that are, that work. Mm-hmm. where you don't have to fight with your kid, because if your child doesn't fight, flight or freeze, they do not have rational thought. Mm-hmm. They don't, neither do we, we don't have access to that in that moment, right? We're mm-hmm. all about survival. So we can't think forward. We can't, you know, rationalize. We don't have words, mm-hmm. right? So, okay. I got you. I got you. I know exactly what you need. Right. Mm-hmm. And you come in and you give them that lovey. I think it's, 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 it's big. It's really big. That's great. Yeah. And the other thing that you taught me too is crunching. So Mm -hmm. chewing and crunching, those also help too, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So we have sucking through a straw. Yeah. Yeah. So we have proprioceptors in our jaw muscles, which like you said, is why we chew on things. We bite our nails, we grab for gum, we chew on our pen. So if we can, I always say I'm not an advocate of using food to calm our children, but if it's snack time, use, use food, um, or or use, make the food that they're going to eat, not just healthy, but also have those good qualities of the crunching, the chewing. Mm -hmm. Again, it's that heavy work. So the more their muscles in their jaw get to work, the more they're getting that calming input. So chewy granola bars, bagels, dried fruit. And like you said, sucking through a straw again, really works those proprioceptive muscles. And if you're a person who's okay with gum, I I always offer gum to the kids in the clinic. It's, and, and they either yes or no. I mean, they know if they need it or not, Mm. but those kids who they're like, yes, I need, I need some gum right now. Cause just, just, just that chewing is, is going to help get their brain. In That's the right so great. Way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's so great. And it also, it interrupts the, mm-hmm. the meltdown too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Hey, you know what, here, here's some, here's some nuts, here's some dried fruit. Why don't you have a snack? Mm-hmm. And it does kind of jolt them out of it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that's, that's great. Now let's talk about behavior problems, and I'm using air quotes, um, that fall under that sensory umbrella. What do we see really? And and it kind of falls into like, why is my kid doing that? You know, what are things that, that, that are driven by sensory that we normally judge and, and get scared about? Right. Well, I think the number one thing I see would be the rough housing, the rough, okay. play, the pushing. Like I said, I have a, a new kid that came this week who's five and has a two-year-old brother and they're like, he's pushing mm-hmm. him. He's squeezing him too tight. He's mm-hmm. just playing too rough. So again, we think their kids are being bad kids. They're not. He's just showing, he's just showing us what he's showing us what we, what we need uh, or what he needs. Um, and again, behavior problems. Well, 
so really emotional regulation, right? We have to, we have to be able to take it all in, process it and act on it appropriately. So we, we will see just emotional stuff like difficulty with transitions, mm. impulsiveness, um, you know, preferring solitary play. Again, I think these kids really like control. Mm-hmm. They need predictability. They need routine. They need control. They need more. They need they need to know when transitions are coming. They might need more help with transitions. More again, more time to know that the transition is coming. Mm-hmm. We can't we can't just we can't just throw it on these kids, right? Right. So uh, yeah. So it, it can, but also as part of your question, and we keep mentioning this fight, fight, or fight. What I see is, is, so we'll see the fight. We'll see the fright. We'll see the anxiety, but we kind of have to say what's go, what is going, what's going on here. So a great example yesterday, I had a little boy at the clinic who had was he's out of school so he went to the playground and it was really hot yesterday went to the playground for an hour came to see me we worked for an hour then I bring him to the waiting room with his mom and the waiting room was a little bit overstimulating it can be crazy sometimes and he is punching his mother so I don't know the punching itself I mean again you could think of it maybe he needs that proprioceptive input but when we look and we say what has been going on up to this I mean he is overstimulated he's had a lot what what we do in the clinic where he was on a play date at the park he's just he's he's in he's in meltdown mode he's had too much and he was done so then we see that that fight behavior happen because Mm. of that so I, I tell parents you know when we look at when we see when we see behaviors we have to I call it scaffolding. We have to look at what was going on before that, right? So I'm seeing this behavior. I know my kids, he's not, my kid's not a bad kid. Mm-hmm. So what's been going on before that, prior to that, has, has they missed their mat, their nap? Has, has, has there been a ton of sensory stimulation? Were we at a birthday party? Were we at a, a loud restaurant? Were, again, were they at a park with friends and having to be on for so long and other really hot. So we just kind of have to look at scaffold down and see what's been going on prior to that behavior to say, okay, my child is acting out this way because more than likely they're overstimulated from from too much sensory input. Completely. I think you know, that is exactly the way I talk about it too. Really. It's about getting to what's underneath the behavior. I like the, I like the idea of the scaffolding and scaffold down. I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and so if you do find, okay, look, my child is overstimulated. That's when you bring in the heavy work. Is that right? That's when you bring in a big squeezy hug, Mm -hmm. tight hug. That's when, um, you say, okay, you know what? It's time to crash around. Let's, let's Mm -hmm. set those pillows up. Let's crash around, you know? And for you to say, you know what? I think what you need right now is a big hug instead Mm -hmm. of punching mommy. Right. And, and to, to stop for a second, you know, 
gosh, I say, I say this a lot, like parenting isn't an emergency. And if you can remember that and give yourself the space to just say, okay, hang on a second. What is going on? Because it does make us go into fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. And you're saying it's slightly different. I say fight, flight, or freeze. You are saying. I think there, I think now it's fight, flight, fright, freeze, fawn. I I think they keep adding Yes. Right. right. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's true. I I know fawn as I I just go to fight, flight, or freeze. It's just easier to say. And then I don't trip over my words, but, um, yeah. You know, we go into, essentially it's our survival brain. Mm-hmm. However many words you use to describe it, it's all about survival. And we, in a survival situation, when something is coming at us, we, you know, that's our preloaded software, right? That's our default mm-hmm. setting is to survive. Right. So, um, knowing that and having a child hit you, it is very easy to go into that. And then we lose perspective too. Like, oh my gosh, all these other moms or dads are looking at me and my kid can't do this. What if my kid is always going to hit what, you know, what does this mean for later in life? You know, are they going to be a bully? Are they going to be in jail? And then before you know it, you're sitting in the waiting room and you've written your child off because they're going to be a drug addict, homeless on the street. And it's like, whoa, stop, stop. Just wait a second. Wait, just pause. Your, your little love bug sitting in front of you, standing in front of you is asking for help. Mm-hmm. They need help. And if we can just stop the mind chatter for, for a moment, it's going to come whether we like it or not, but just don't identify with it. Don't mm-hmm. buy into it. Just stop for a second and say, okay, what does my child need? Mm-hmm. What has happened before this? How can I support my kiddo? Right. Right. And totally. not bad. No. And, and as I reflected back on it, I said, you know, I should have set a timer and said, I'm going to talk to your mom for two minutes you hold this timer, you hold my phone two minutes. And then I promise. So when he knows it's going to be done soon, or maybe said, do you want to go sit in the hallway with your cold water for a minute while I talk to your mom and have that quiet space? So again, kind of reflecting back, okay, the the situation isn't going to happen exactly like that again. But now let me learn from this. And so next time I can put some strategies in place more, more quickly. And, and I also think, you know, giving them, giving them language. I I love, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're a, if you're a Brene Brown fan, but I love Brene Brown and her new work, the Atlas of the Heart and and giving Mm -hmm. language, she says language is a portal. And Mm -hmm. I think if we give kids language to use, we can help build the self-awareness and build their ability, right? It's all about them learning to self-regulate, but at first they co-regulate off of us. So we have to recognize they're correct. He's co-regulating off of me. So I have to be in a good place. I have to, again, be, be ready to to help put some strategies in, stay calm, be ready to give that hug, do that problem solving. What do we need to do right now? But I think if we can give language, I'm overstimulated. Mm. I'm frustrated. I'm annoyed. I'm my engine is running too fast. I feel out of control because again, if I'm frustrated, we act like we're angry, but we're not. We're frustrated. Yes. If I'm overstimulated, I know I need to go maybe sit for a few minutes by myself or put some some strategies in place to, to desensitize, to come down a little bit. Or mm. if I, if my engine is running too fast, 
I need to go run and climb and really use my muscles. So I think it's helping our kids. And again, we're not going to do it in the heat of the moment, but mm-hmm. afterwards, just helping them put some language. You know, I, you, you look today, like you were a little bit overstimulated. What could we do next time to help that? Or mm-hmm. let's next time, let's set a timer and let's let you go sit go sit out in the hallway for a few minutes by yourself. Or, mm-hmm. you know, if you're frustrated, you come talk to me again. So I, I think Brene Brown's whole thing is we act differently. Our response is different based on the word we give it, based on the, mm-hmm. the emotion, based on what we call it. So let's call it what it, it is. So then we can act on it in appropriate way. So again, the more we can help our kids to gain that self-awareness, they will over time, begin to show us more ability to self-regulate. I couldn't love that more. Really. I think it's empowering Mm -hmm. because they also work to remind us, Oh, right. You're, you're just feeling overstimulated right now. Okay. Mm -hmm. That brings me back into my rational brain too. When my child comes to me and says that it's like, Oh, right. You're not being bad. using air quotes. I never want to look at behavior as bad. It Mm. only is communication. It's just Mm. letting us know something's off. Mm -hmm. So our kids want to get along with us. They want to, uh, they, they want harmony. And if, if their behavior doesn't reflect that, then there's something going on with them. Mm -hmm. Right. And I always look at it as there is a feeling that is unvalidated. There is a need that isn't getting met or they don't have the skill to do better yet. Mm. Right. And so this is really empowering. Giving them the language is huge. And this is the language of feelings and needs that serves them, not just now as children, but for the rest of their lives. Mm. We've all worked with people that don't know how to relate to others and to others' emotions. And that really does a disservice to them in their lives. Right. It's the, mm. that's kind of like the, the person you don't really ever want to work with, or you're not going to be friends with. Right. So having these kinds of skills are, is really a gift to give your child. Mm-hmm. And I want to say something else about the co that how you say that they co-regulate off of mm-hmm. us. It's very true. So that, you know, taking a moment, that pausing that I just mentioned also helps us to model calmness too, mm-hmm. because if we can breathe slowly and deeply, not only do we give our brains the message that we're safe, our kids will start to to mirror that because we have mirror neurons, right? Mm -hmm. So I think all of this just makes so much sense, right? Makes Mm -hmm. so much sense. So I just, I just want to say thank you for that because I love so much. It's so much pressure on us to what they say, mom mom set the thermostats of the house. It's so much pressure on us, but Mm -hmm. it's such an honor at the same time. And And I feel like, you know, you have teenagers too. So you get it that I think a lot of the stuff we do when they're babies or when they're little, we're like, are they even getting this? Is this doing anything? And then we start to see as they get older and they do start to put some things in play. You're like, oh my gosh, they were listening. (laughs) Yes, it does matter. Yeah. And anytime you can respond with kindness or curiosity or empathy instead of blaming, shaming, criticizing, it matters. It absolutely matters. Right. And this isn't about being perfect because yeah, you're right. It sounds like this is a big list of things to remember. And that's also why it's okay to get help. It's okay to ask people. It's okay to, you know, get your book. Why is my kid doing that? It's also okay to say, you know, Hey, 
I, I could use some help in my parenting, not because I'm a bad parent, but because I want to be the best parent, mm-hmm. you know, and this is, this is, this is where I come in for that, for that, you know, because it is hard. It is complicated. And we do need reminders. If it takes me an hour to remember, to give my kid a hug, to calm him down. Look, I'm only human too. Right. So mm-hmm. So, yes. So this is all really important. And one of the things that you just mentioned is anxiety. And so what is kind of the difference between the sensory system and anxiety and how are they connected? If, if at all. Mm -hmm. No, totally. So prior to COVID, Mm -hmm. we would get kids coming in the clinic with anxiety and we kind of were like, it's probably the sensory system. So when we dug deep, we kind of realized, again, their anxiety is rooted in sensory, right? So again, mm-hmm. maybe it's that tactile. It's too much to go to school because if I'm sitting in circle time and someone's knee brushes up against mine or I'm standing in line and we're shoulder to shoulder and somebody brushes up against me, that's too much. The school bus, the the cafeteria, again, there's knowing what our body's doing in space. There's so much sensory that if I don't have, again, if I don't have that good mental map, if I don't have the skills to do something or the Mm. um, really feeling safe that my body's okay with this, it's going to cause anxiety. What I'm seeing more of now after after, after COVID is anxiety that's producing sensory. So it can go either oh. way, right? So if I don't have a good sensory system, if my sensory system's off, that can create anxiety. But if I'm having anxiety, that can create sensory stuff. So let's say I'm anxious about going to school. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm not going to want to get dressed. Of course, that tag's going to bother me because oh. I'm anxious about going to school. Um, and again, I, I think because kids weren't getting all that great sensory stimulation for two years, it's, it's a lot to them to enter back into that world, right? We were only safe living in our bubble. So my nervous system thinks I'm only safe being in my bubble. And now you're putting me back into a school with a thousand kids and people are all in my face and it's loud and there's smells and people are touching me and all this stuff. So I think there's there's that anxiety component. So again, they, they, they can work both ways. And, and I, I use this example sometimes telling them myself. So I have, um, I, I kind of have an overwhelming job <laughs> or very overstimulating job, I should say. So yeah. I work all day, one day and had a long day, come home overstimulated. Then I had to drive for an hour, go to my daughter's swim meet. That is overstimulating in and of itself, the smells, the sounds, the lights, and then the long drive home. And she's very chit-chatty after swim meets and lots of kids. And I get home and I just went and washed my hands. And that cold water on my hands felt so noxious to me. And I washed my hands a million times a day, but my sensory system got off. And, and I, I say that. So I wasn't feeling anxious. I was just very overstimulated. Yeah. Yeah. But, but my sensory system was so off. But again, we kind of have to, you know, look for those things in our kids. Like, why are they being, why is this happening right now? Again, kind of back to the scaffolding. But, but yeah, I, I think what's happening now that I'm seeing a little bit more of is children just have this anxiety. And, and, and I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot of reasons, right? That's, mm-hmm. 
hey, we, we don't have to explain our anxiety right now. Right? A lot right. of people are having anxiety for a lot of reasons. But again, that anxiety can kind of create that sense of, I, I'm anxious. So now I don't want that sensory stimulation. Right. I and just can't sensory, handle it. And that sense, I'm already in fight, flight, or fright mode. Yeah. Then any kind of sensory stimulation is going to feel very noxious to me. Right. Well, and the reality is, is that anxiety is a survival mechanism. It's mm-hmm. alerting us to danger being out there. And for our kids, they were going back to school in person and COVID was still this thing that was still out to get us. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so it all makes sense and it's invisible. We don't know. And we hear, oh, you know, now I've got a, the school closed down or my class isn't in, you know, we've got this many people, that many people, maybe a relative has died. You know, a million people in the United States have died because of COVID in the last two years. That mm-hmm. is a staggering amount of people. It affects us all. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, so of course, of course, mm-hmm. you know, it makes perfect sense. So, um, so that's really interesting that you're seeing that. And, um, and so again, the antidote is really to have a strong sensory lifestyle where you keep allowing that input. in. so what do you say to parents now about, about that? If their, their kids are sort of scared, more scared, more anxious. Mm-hmm. How do we get over that hump then? I, I, you know, that's a good question. And, and I'll answer it the best I can with my OT knowledge, but I think it's gradual. I think it's gradual mm-hmm. sensitization, right? It's gradually have a play date, go to a restaurant that's not as loud and keep building mm-hmm. up because I think that nervous system just has to feel safe again. And so I feel like every time our kids can do something, their nervous system can say, okay, I'm safe to do this. So let me, maybe Mm -hmm. now I can do this. And I think because the reverse, the opposite is true too. Every time I avoid something that I'm scared of, my nervous system says, whew, I avoided that. Mm -hmm. Now I'm safe. Let me continue to avoid that. So I'll continue to be safe. So it has Mm. to be that, again, it has to be safe. We have to give them that, we have to let their nervous system know they're safe. So we don't throw them into anything, but we just kind of continue to take some good gradual baby steps in in the right direction. And then again, if all else fails, proprioception, (laughs) give them them that, you know, we say just just making them feel, feel safe through your, your touch. Through, the, mm-hmm. through those hugs, um, you know, again, if the more, the more organized I am in my brain, before I go into something, the more I'm going to be able to talk, the better I'll be able to tolerate it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, it's almost good, good for reception, but right. But- so jump and swim and uh, crash and do all of the things, heavy work, all that stuff to, to, to really help. I like that idea though. I like the idea of, of slowly integrating. I mean, it's literally like you just, just, we shoved our kids back in because we couldn't wait to get them out of the house. 
mm-hmm. for most myself included, I was like, geez, this is not fun. This is not easy. This is not fun. And I think we want to avoid that again at all costs, having online uh, at home learning. But yeah, it, 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 it it was tough for a lot of kids. And my own son really struggled going to school, really struggled and, and actually was, you know, had school avoidance. Uh, this is my other son. And, and so we definitely, it affected my family in a big way. And it wasn't just because of COVID it had sort of started before that, but, um, okay. So this, this has been great. Really what we're talking about in general is, you know, giving your kids language around what they're feeling and needing. Also knowing that we need to break down the behavior, peel that onion back. They're doing this. Why are they doing this? Proprioceptive sense is, is always a go-to if, you know, even if it's not a sensory thing, it's, you can't, you can't blame a hug. A hug is going to be good no matter what. Right. Um, and then any, any sort of final thoughts that you have that you want to share with parents just to really help them navigate how complicated this parenting piece is and, and those sensory bits that we all have. Right. And so two things, the first is, and I think you've said this word and I just wanted to point it out again is curiosity. Stay curious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When your kid's doing something, stay curious. What again, what is the root of the root? Let's scaffold down. Let's 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 get to let's get to the bottom of this so we can treat really what's going on instead of putting a band-aid on something or losing mm-hmm. our cool and them losing their cool and, and just everybody having to apologize later. But I also one thing that just popped into my head too is our COVID has affected our children, right? It's affected Mm -hmm. their sensory systems. Again, we were in this bubble. We weren't, kids build their sensory system. They build their strong foundation for, for learning. Again, we see the emotional regulation. We see the behaviors. We see the coordination. We see the attention. But what lies below that in part is the sensory system. And, and they need that good, strong sensory system mm-hmm. so that those, those other skills are where they need to be. So really, so again, during COVID, I think, or during the lockdown, I think what happened was that because we were living in, in our safety of our little bubble, kids really weren't building that good sensory foundation. And so we're seeing more things now. We're seeing anxiety. We're seeing lack of coordination, Mm -hmm. we're seeing the the difficulties in school. So if we can get back to, I think we have to be really intentional about helping build that sensory foundation again. And like you said, it might require some skilled intervention, whether it's for the, for the parent or for the Mm -hmm. child. But I also, our brains have neuroplasticity, right? So I never want to give up hope. right? It's our brains until we, until dementia sets in, our brains can grow and develop and make changes. So the more we allow, give our kids the opportunities, give our kids this, this great sensory input. Again, we're, we're growing and changing and molding that brain in really positive ways. So there's always hope. 
There's I love it. It's so true. Go. Yes. Yes. Our brains can grow and change at any time. I love it. And it's never too late, right? It's just never too late. I love it so much. And, you know, just, just to add on to that, that, you know, when you look at COVID, it also stopped all of the sports, right? All of the ways that our kids were also getting this input, right? So um, yeah, it has made a big difference. And, uh, you know, this has been really helpful for us to talk about this. And I think you and I could talk for another hour or two about this. And you're just such a wealth of information. And your book again is Why Is My Kid Doing That? A Sensory Approach to Understanding Your Child's Behavior. And thank you for the gift that you have given us for the parent toolbox, which is a sensory checklist. So you can just sort of see where does, where does your child's where are they on the checklist? Where, you know, where are their opportunities? Where are there maybe questions that are answered through that? So uh, I think that's a really helpful resource that is at parent-toolbox.com. And you can download that along with this episode, which you can see on YouTube, uh, which is the Parenting for Connection YouTube channel. And uh, of course, anywhere you get your podcasts. So if you like this episode, if this resonates with you, please share it with somebody that you know. It really, it really helps to spread this because we want happier parents. We want happier kids. It just makes everything better. So Cindy, thank you so much for being here. Such welcome. a pleasure. I want to see real quick. So with that sensory checklist, if parents oh, go yeah. in there and they're like, okay, I see these, all right, my kid, I'm checking off a lot of things under one box, under one section. Now what? Oh so, yeah. Good one. I talk about that in my book. There's also and if you don't want to get my book, Pinterest, you know, there's a lot, the, the World Wide Web has great ideas too. So I don't, I just don't want parents to be like, oh, I, I see all this in my kid. Now what? So there is a now what? If you're seeing a ton of stuff and it's impacting their life in a negative way, you might want to seek out occupational therapy. Yeah. But again, look, there's, there's plenty of tools out there to help you with the now what? Right. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's, that's great because that, that is true. What, what do I do now? <laughs> what do I do now? Okay. Thanks again, Cindy. You're this is so just welcome. so wonderful. You are just so great. And, uh, and where, tell people where in the world you are in case they do want to reach out to you specifically. Yeah. So the best way is through my website, which is cindyatsinger.com or wisemykiddoing.com. You can find me both ways. I am on social media on Instagram and Facebook at wisemykiddoingthat. Uh, and on my website, you can contact me. You can contact me through my website as well if you have any specific questions. Okay. And what state are you in? North Carolina. Right. Okay. That's right. Okay, good. Perfect. Okay. So for those lucky few that live in your area, they can actually work with you. Uh, but you do have a lot of resources. I love your website and I share it with as many people as possible. So again, I'll say thank you. And uh, this has just been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace 